Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. Hi, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Raj Singh from Accolade. Raj, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. Here's the game plan for our conversation today. Uh, as you know, what we seek to do here on the show is really educate our audience on non-traditional methods to lower their healthcare costs and improve value for their employees. Because quite frankly, the traditional way of doing things you know, hasn't really produced any meaningful change um, in an industry where higher healthcare costs are, are kind of the status quo. To get us started, I'm going to read a brief bio about uh, you and Accolade so the audience has some context, and then we'll jump into it. Sound good? Sounds perfect. Rajiv Singh is currently the CEO of Accolade, the market-leading on-demand healthcare concierge for employers, health plans, and health systems. Rajiv joined the company as a board member, investor, and CEO in November 2015. Today, Accolade has 700 employees focused on driving better outcomes and increased satisfaction for healthcare consumers while delivering incredible savings for payers. Prior to that, Rajiv co-founded Concur, the global leader in travel and expense management in 1993. And during his tenure at the company, he grew revenue from 60 million to over 800 million before eventually being acquired by SAP HG in 2014. Rajiv is married with two children, ages 15 and 14, and he graduated from Western Michigan University in 1991. All right. Does that about uh, capture you? There's probably a little bit now more that we, than that, I would think. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, now that we got the boring part of the conversation out of the way, we can we can jump into the exciting part about healthcare. But yes, that, I'd say that's a fair representation of exactly who I am. All right. Good, good, good. So Raj, it looks like you joined the company as CEO in 2015. And, and prior to that, you were really in a completely different industry. So why did you decide to get into the, the healthcare health insurance uh, space? It's a great question, Michael, because uh, a lot of people have asked me as I've joined, the, as I've entered the healthcare space, uh, why exactly did you did you uh, think to join a space that's uh, so difficult to break into? And the reality is, you're exactly right. I was in a market that was totally different than healthcare in many ways. The travel, online travel, booking, and expense reporting space. You, you could, you, you might think on the surface that they're completely and utterly different. But here's what's real about both markets that was very intriguing to myself as well as to my co-founder from Concur, Mike Hilton, uh, and a longtime Concur executive, Rob Cavanaugh, who all came over and joined Accolade with me at the same time. Uh, the first is that the business travel market was a space that also lacked an obsession with the consumer. Uh, the corporation was buying the travel, travel management companies were selling the travel, uh, and the consumer in the middle of it oftentimes was lost in the shuffle. No one was really obsessing about their particular needs. So that was first. Uh, secondly, uh, those needs were a combination of human touch as well as uh, technology that could guide them through the process in a, in a, in a way that 
met the consumer where the consumer wanted to be met, sometimes with technology, sometimes with human touch. Um, and those things, coupled with the fact that, look, we look at, uh, at the healthcare system, a $3 trillion market in this country, and thought, what a huge opportunity, but also an incredible opportunity to do good things for the world. Uh, like, I think a lot of people who've joined the healthcare industry, they joined the healthcare industry because they thought, you know what, this is a place where I can do good, and I can also build a career. And so we looked, and we thought all those same things, and we thought maybe... Some of the some of the things that we learned in 20 years, 20, gosh, I feel old when I say this, 23 years at Concur, we could apply. Now, we also knew, Michael, very clearly that there were some things that we couldn't apply, that healthcare is its own unique beast. And we had to throw away a lot of what we learned because it didn't apply here. Uh, but what we thought was, hey, if uh, we'd had some success applying, uh, doing some of this work, maybe we could apply some of those lessons here and have some and and uh, and make good impact on the world as well. Love it. Love it. So, you know, before, before we get into accolade, you know, want to start at the, uh, the macro level here, you know, our healthcare system, it's like an insatiable beast. It, it consumes more and more of our uh, disposable income um, effectively, in my opinion, making us poorer as a society um, because it's, it's consuming money that, that could be better spent elsewhere, quite frankly. So tell me in your words, you know, what do you think is wrong with our healthcare system and why do you think costs continue to increase like they do? It's the central question of every public policy debate on healthcare that's, that's happening. Although I think oftentimes we get so obsessed in our public policy debates with covering the uncovered that we forget about the trend line discussion that that's right. That is probably more important in the long term, both of them being very important, obviously. Uh, and I think you're right. It, it, uh, the, the rising line of healthcare trend care co- trend line in terms of cost uh, is, an, is a competitiveness issue for American business. Uh, you mm-hmm. certainly saw, right, you saw Warren Buffett in the New York Times about a month and a half ago saying, hey, uh, stop worrying about tax cuts and start worrying about healthcare trend line. That's where your real problem is, American business. And I think Warren Buffett is absolutely right. I came from a place where, I, interestingly, I bought healthcare for a lot of years, Michael. For many years, I, I was the president of a of a self insured employer, and there, I can assure you that there were very few parts of that budget that I didn't pour over with a fine tooth comb. Uh, I was obsessed around the efficient utilization of our capital. But there was one conversation a year, I can, I, can, I can also assure you, where our benefits person, who was a fantastic lady, would come in and say, Raj, 7%. And I'd say, really, Sherry, does it have to be 7%? Could it be 65 this year? What can we do to make that number better? And the answer was invariably very little. And it wasn't because she wasn't doing a great job, it was because it was a difficult thing to manage. And in that one to two hour meeting where I was reviewing our benefits plan design, et cetera, uh, I would resign myself to defeat far more easily than I would in any other budget discussion I had in our company. Uh, and that is one of the core challenges that's faced, uh, that's facing our country. Many of our CEOs and CFOs have just given up on healthcare costs as a trend line that's going to move up yep. every single year. And there's nothing I can do. I think that's incorrect. Now, let me get to the root of your question. Sorry for the meandering uh, lead up. Uh, the root of your question is where is the challenge? And, the, you know, I would say the first place that we're really focused on and that we believe there's a huge opportunity is, that, you know, whether it's the Oliver Wyman study, the RAND study, you name it, point at the 30 to 40 percent of the three trillion dollars that's being spent is being spent either unnecessarily seeking the wrong care 
or uh, or done inefficiently. And so when you're talking about 30 to 40 percent of the three trillion dollars, you're talking about real money. That's, that's a lot of money. That's real money. That's a lot of money. That's real money, even uh, even for the richest country in the world. And so uh, why is that happening? Well, oftentimes consumers are entering the healthcare system in a in a in a at, at a point of high anxiety, high stress. Healthcare journeys are almost invariably unwanted journeys. Uh, and so the, as you enter the healthcare system, you're oftentimes at your period of highest anxiety and highest stress. And so therefore, decisions get made that, uh, that lead to inefficient outcomes. And so we think one core area is that consumers need better guidance as they enter the healthcare system, as they encounter the healthcare system, and as they exit the healthcare system to guide their journey and to ensure that their journey is an efficient and a, and a progressive one that leads to great outcomes. Uh, you know, we, I, I think it's been said many times before, and I agree with it, uh, we have the best doctors and the best health systems in the world, uh, and yet our outcomes are not, are not as, uh, as efficient or productive or as positive as those that are occurring in other health systems and in other countries in the world. Uh, we think a lot of that has to do with aligning consumer motives to the motives of the rest of the healthcare system and aligning consumer interest to those very same motives. I agree. I think we have a massive problem of misaligned incentives. Healthcare is really the only only economic good, maybe other than education, that's disconnected from um, from price. And I think you yeah. know that's that's one of the the core issues that we face. But I think that's a good. Um, that's a good transition into um, talking about your own company. So, um, you know, given those challenges that that we have in our healthcare system, you know, explain to our audience, you know, what the Accolade product and services, and and what problems specifically you're trying to solve. At our core, we call ourselves an on-demand healthcare concierge. Uh, you'll also hear other phrases thrown around: uh, healthcare navigation, healthcare advocacy. Uh, I think. What's unique about Accolade is we're at the center point of two spaces that have grown up in the industry over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. The first is this idea of concierge services and advocacy. The second is the idea of digital platforms, the idea that someone needs to, some, some technology service needs to weave together all of the components or all of the individual components that self-insured employers have purchased on behalf of their employees in order to drive engagement on them. And so what Accolade does is provides this single point of interface for your healthcare consumer. And that single point of interface is actually a dedicated human being. And so we replace the 800 number on the back of your carrier's card. We become that single point of interface. And then when you call in and you get me, Raj, as your health assistant, that's what we call our concierges or advocates, mm-hmm. uh, I'm dedicated to you and your family. Uh, I build you a longitudinal relationship with you and your family and get a deep understanding of what your needs and particular, not only your clinical conditions, but also the social determinants of health that surround those clinical conditions and begin to build a plan for you or with you to help you uh, engage with the healthcare system in a way that's most productive and most efficient for you to drive to better. All the while, we're leveraging a whole set of technology tools uh, mobile applications, a member portal that not only shows you our services and allows you to interact with your health assistant and your and the nurses that we interact with, but also weaves together all of the other components of your employer's ecosystem, uh, analytics tools, and machine learning capabilities 
that all guide you to the right answer as you're going through your healthcare journey. And so at, at our core, we're the single point of interface for consumers to, to go through the healthcare journey. And beyond that, we're supporting that with both dedicated relationships, deep clinical expertise, and a deep technology. Benefit. Great, great, great explanation. I think in order to make it relevant for the audience, can we contrast what you just described to what a consumer might get in a traditional insurance carrier model. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Right. I mean, let's 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 show what the difference would be for, you know, um, let's let's create a person, Joe Smith, who is, you know, age 45 and has three kids. So how how is the interaction with with Accolade different than what they might get through the traditional, you know, Aetna, Anthem, United Healthcare model? Sure. Well, let's let's take Joe and let's walk Joe through a couple of examples. So let's start with a really simple example. Joe, age 45, three three kids uh, and a wife, so four dependents, calls in because Joe needs a new insurance card. Now, he needs a new carrier card. That's all he needs. So now he calls in and your experience with most carriers is going to be, well, give me the last four years. So give me your name and I'm going to send you a new card and we're done. And if I can get you off the phone, you know, 180 seconds or less, then I'm in really good shape to meet my objectives in terms of that particular phone call. Now, let me contrast that with Joe calling into Accolade and having a conversation with one of our health assistants. Now, our health assistants treat every one of these phone calls as this opportunity to or this this signal that that consumer is about to enter the healthcare system. There's no other reason to pick up the phone and make that phone call. And so what will we do? Well, we'll say, hey, you know what, Joe, I'm, I'm happy to get you your card. I need some information from you. But hey, while I get that information from you, what do you need the card for? My bet is you're about to go see the doctor and you need your card before you go see the doctor because they're going to ask for the card. And now that conversation and because our people have been trained and our technology is actually prompting our people to ask the right questions, uh, that conversation now turns into a deeper conversation that drives the context of what Joe's going through. And oftentimes in those very conversations, we find that Joe, who has nothing in his claims data that implies anything is wrong, is about to go see the doctor. Why? Because he just found a uh, he just found a particular condition or his wife just found a lump in her breast and they're concerned and they want to go find a doctor. Now, that's not in any claims data. And that single conversation that they might have had with the carrier would have just gotten him his new card. Now we have an opportunity to guide his care, to influence his care, to help him find a provider and actually guide him in the right direction. So that's an example. Uh, can I give you another one, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's do another one that's a little bit more complicated. Uh, Joe's a diabetic and he's a relatively well-treated diabetic. Uh, and so he, uh, in, in this world, and I'll get a little bit into the weeds because I think your customers uh, and your listeners understand the weeds. Uh, Joe might have already been engaged with Aetna or Cigna, you name it, disease management program associated with diabetes. Uh, but because he's relatively uh, managed his diabetes, uh, they're not really in contact with Joe all the time, and he's not really in contact with them all the time. In fact, Joe, like a lot of consumers, doesn't totally have a high degree of trust or confidence in his carrier for a, a number of reasons that I won't opine on. Uh, now, Joe's got another condition that he wants to manage, and so he pulls up his phone, grabs our mobile application, and texts, I shouldn't say text, secure messages his health assistant and says, 
hey, I just twisted my knee. I'm thinking about going to the emergency room. Here's the emergency room I'm thinking of. Is that within my network? Mm -hmm. Now, our health assistant has an opportunity to do a couple of things, to triage via the secure messaging app, to go back to Joe and say, hey, you know what, Joe, that emergency room isn't in your network. But in fact, uh, this urgent care facility is right around the corner. Can you tell me more about what's going on with your knee? And by the way, Right here on this mobile interface, I'm going to enhance this conversation and bring a nurse on the phone to help react to your symptoms and understand better what you what we think the right thing to do next is. Should you wait to see your primary care physician tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Should you go see urgent care? Or should we find you an emergency room facility right around the corner because it's urgent? Uh, you know, that situation happens to us all the time. In fact, just last month, we had a consumer from one of our uh, larger customers Actually, and we, we created a case study around this, get into a car accident. Fortunately, everything, everyone was fine, including her child. But get into an, an ambulance, find out what hospital the ambulance was going to about to take her and her child to, and actually secure message her health assistant to say, are they taking me to a place that I can afford? Is, is this an a, a, a emergency room inside of my network? So in, in that situation, Joe's now using the, the communication form of his choice, but still talking to his dedicated health assistant using secure messaging, gets to the right outcome. And in that case, let's say we say, Joe, you, we want you to go see your, your primary care physician tomorrow. So now we've avoided emergency room visit. We've got Joe to where he's supposed to go. And before Joe goes to his emergency room visit, or sorry, to his primary care visit the next day, we secure message him with a set of questions that we think Joe ought to ask when he goes in. Here's some things that prepare you for your visit, because we know what time the visit is, because we actually called and booked the appointment on behalf on Joe's behalf. And then when Joe leaves that visit, we might actually pick up the phone and say, "Hey, Joe, what did you hear from your physician? Uh, and you know, what are the things that you're, that, that, you know, did, did he prescribe physical therapy? Are there medications that might have come along, etc." Now that high touch experience both avoided costs, drove better outcomes for Joe, uh, and created an opportunity to build a much deeper relationship with Joe so that as new things arise, Joe is leveraging a relationship that he totally trusts in order to make good decisions the next time something comes up for him or anyone in his family. Both of those situations would have been handled totally differently, as you might imagine, Michael, by Absolutely. a carrier who's whose member services function, you know, with, with all respect, is oftentimes really geared in a more of a transactional model to answer the question and move on to the next question. Well, and, I mean, I'd imagine they'd be calling a 1-800 number. And so for each of those, you know, outreach calls, it would be a different person each time. You got it. Exactly right. And so Joe's mobile application, his messaging interface on the employee portal where he can actually communicate with his health, health assistant from the portal on the web and or the phone call are all totally seamlessly connected experiences. When you, uh, when you move from the mobile application to the phone or to the web, all of the context travels with you. And so, and when a nurse enters the, the dialogue or enters the discussion or a pharmacist or a claim specialist, they enter the dialogue with all of that same context behind them. So that integrated technology stack coupled with that dedicated person, that dedicated empathetic person who's supported by a clinical staff, that's really what we think differentiates us and, and, and makes special in terms of our capacity to drive results. And, you know, it's probably worthwhile, Michael, really quickly to speak to results. Yeah. And, and at the end of this, uh, all of this is really compelling in terms of the improved user experience. And that user experience leads to, uh, you know, I think our industry is very familiar with the term MPS or Net Promoter Score. 
Yep. Uh, we're serving over, over a million people today. Our net promoter score for those million members that we serve is north of 70. Uh, and so we're, we're driving outstanding, outstanding NPS. Just to stop, you know, net promoter score, you know, at a very basic level, you know, you're asking, you know, people, you know, if they would recommend your services to, to somebody else. And, and that's the, the score reflects the, um, the, um, the response of absolutely great experience. I would recommend it to somebody else. You got you. And Michael, it's even better than that because it's, it's not only would you recommend them, but would you recommend them at a nine or a 10 level? So on a scale of one to 10, are you a raving fan? Would you, would you absolutely, would you stop people in the elevator and say, I just had an experience that I want you to know about? Because we've all had those types of customer service experiences where you find a way to weave it into dinner conversation because you're just so blown away that someone did something that no one's ever done for you before. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that's when you're talking about NPS scores in the 70s, you're talking about NPS scores like Apple or USAA, you're talking about very, very high scores. Now, those high NPS scores lead to, lead to incredible trust. That trust leads to high engagement, like engagement levels where we're having conversations with either virtually, you know, either electronically or actually voice conversations with 50, 60, 70 percent of your members or your families. Uh, and that's leading to lower costs, now, trend line improvement for every single customer we've ever served. And so uh, that trend line improvement might be three to five percent in year one and then continues to trend up as we continue to serve that population and have better and better engagement. Sure. Uh, and so, 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 you know, that, that core relationship leads to some pretty outstanding results. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I understand, you know, the first thing we're talking about here is really creating a better consumer experience in, in general, healthcare is complex. Um, and I think, you know, the results of that complexity is most people end up having a, a, a dissatisfying experience. So first and foremost, you know, you guys are trying to, you know, through, you know, really a more personal concierge model, create a better consumer experience, you know, relative to to what someone might experience through a traditional, um, you know, insurance carrier model. And, and secondarily, you're talking about, you know, given the way that you're interacting with the members, that there's downstream savings as a result of that. So give us some examples of, you know, the types of interactions um, that result um, in savings. Is it steerage to lower cost facilities, um, lower costs of prescription drug options? Um, give us some tangible examples of how the interaction results in lower healthcare costs. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let me answer that question, and then we one more topic into the into the dialogue that, around cost savings. You know, with every population we've ever served, absolutely, we've seen uh, we've seen bad utilization go down and good utilization go up, and so uh, emergency room visits go down. Every population we've ever served, you know, we've seen, in fact, prescription utilization go up. But oftentimes, it's a good kind of prescription utilization. We're seeing we're seeing people uh, comply with their uh, comply or see adherence to, to the, the to, to to their actual uh, prescription utilization. Uh, we're seeing behavioral health usage go up. We see medical imaging usage go down, and that th- these things are consistent trends across every single uh, book of business or every single customer we have ever served. I think the other thing that's really compelling is that. One of the things that the space has wrestled with forever, Michael, and you alluded to it, is engagement. Can we? How do we get consumers to engage in their own care? Yes. And yes. You know, 
10 years ago or seven, you know, 10 years ago, the, the market decided the best way to do that was let's jack up deductibles. And if we can make sure, if we can get deductibles high enough, sooner or later, people are going to say, I better figure out how to do this because it costs a lot of money. Unfortunately, um, jacking up deductibles didn't make healthcare any less complicated and it didn't make it any less stressful or anxiety creating. And so, and it didn't make consumers any smarter about all of that capability because it's too complex. And so, uh, so with experiment number, you know, 75 around driving engagement via tools like that one failed, uh, we think we've got a unique opportunity to take a high touch solution, drive engagement like we're driving, but then use that engagement to turn that engagement into increased or enhanced engagement for everything else you're trying to do. If you've, if you've contracted with Livongo to drive diabetes management for your business, well, why shouldn't my health assistant relationship and my technology platform not only help that diabetic, but then drive them to Livongo if, if that's the right audience? Uh, if you're using Omada for weight management, shouldn't I drive people to Omada? Shouldn't I drive people to Grand Rounds for second opinions or to Teladoc for telemedicine? Well, every population we've ever served, we've driven adoption of those services up, not only because we have great engagement, but because we built technology platform integration that allows a round trip of information so that when we send someone to Teladoc, not only are we sending information along with it, but we're getting information back that says that person was treated and here's what we learned, here's how to follow up. And so what, you're, what you've woven together is this seamless healthcare experience that has this single point that allows you to manage through the system in this beautiful, in a beautiful consumer experience. Look, the, the healthcare uh, journey oftentimes isn't fraught with great news, uh, right. but it can still be delivered in an elegant way so that the consumer gets to the right answer as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. And so you take the value propositions associated with now, now we're compounding value props. So we're saying not only am I going to drive better utilization like the type I just described that drives cost down, but let's take the value proposition for Livongo. And if I can drive utilization up by 5x there, well, then now I've expounded on that value proposition. Same story with Omada, same story with Teladoc, same story with uh, with a second opinion solution, et cetera, or centers of excellence. And so uh, we view ourselves as this hub with an acknowledgement that the hub uh, shouldn't be the provider of every one of these solutions. We should make the grass greener for every one of those solutions. Let's stop there for a moment, okay? Historically, you have insurance carriers trying to be the all-in-one solution for everything, right? For, for you know, disease management programs, for, uh, you know, their own telemedicine, you know, solutions, weight management programs, you know, wellness solutions. And inevitably, the, the, the impact the positive impact of any of those items is a complete 100% function of utilization. And generally, historically, utilization has been terrible. I mean, even telemedicine. Telemedicine is an awesome solution. Uh, I'm a big fan, use it frequently with my family. Um, but util utilization is awful. So what you're really talking about is something night and day different where you guys are really an open source platform where an employer can look at a number, a variety of cost management tools uh, or, you know, 
additional solutions to support their employee population. And you guys become, you know, the, the, I think you said hub, but, but really your team has to get trained on all of those different solutions that the employer uses. And then as you interact with the employees, you triage and direct, you know, appropriately, you know, to those resources that probably a lot of employees don't know about unless you're telling them about it. Is that accurate? you you nailed it, Michael. I, it, let's, let's let's unwrap it a little bit. First thing, you're 100 percent right. Solutions like telemedicine are spectacular. Uh, you know, I I would say there's an untold amount of brilliance being created on the market in terms of solutions that are out there to drive for their specific uh, solution value for the consumer. The problem is oftentimes that consumer, that employee for a self-insured employer is getting an email on January 15th from their benefits department saying, hey, you can go to this place to go uh, to go use Teladoc as our, as our telemedicine solution and here's what it does for you. But there's nothing wrong with me on January 15th. I'm not thinking about that. Now, on August 27th, when something happens, now I really want to know, but you know what? Uh, my son's got a terrible rash that's spreading on his arm. The last thing I'm going to do is go pour back through my email archive to find the email from the benefits department to find out where exactly I'm supposed to go. I need to deal with the rash right now. Now, if I, on the other hand, had a trusted source that I went to and said, hey, what should I do? And that trusted source was prompted, and this is where technology becomes important, was prompted by a technology prompt that says, hey, based on everything we've seen in the past, this is a smart opportunity for you to recommend a telemedicine solution. And we know that this company, because we've built that technology integration, has contracted with Teladoc in this, in this example. Uh, and so if you click this button, you can spin up a Teladoc instance, or you can automatically register this consumer for Teladoc, and all they have to do is download the app or do whatever it is they have to do in order to move into that experience. But that we can drive adoption up because we're there at the moment of need. And that's true for any number of those solutions. And so, yes, our belief is we're an open platform. We're going to work with with the telemedicine solution providers that our customers want us to. We're going to work with the second opinions providers, the, digital, the diabetes management, weight loss management, uh, musculoskeletal uh, 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 vendors, et cetera. And so over the last six months, Michael, we've announced relationships with Amada, Lavongo, Teladoc, Hinge, uh, you name it, Ovia, all of those companies trying to be that open platform where our customers get the choice to decide whatever they think is the right thing for their employees. If I'm you know, an employer, I'm working with one of my clients, and let's just say we, we establish a relationship with a, a vendor that you don't necessarily already have a relationship. Are you still willing to engage you know, oh, with, of course. with that point? Of course. Okay. Of course. Yeah, I mean... I think that the numbers are staggering, Michael. Like when you think about the amount of dollars that have been invested in healthcare startups that are building solutions like the ones we just talked about, uh, billions of dollars in the last two years alone, uh, it's way too early to know who's going to be the winner. Who's going to be the winner in the, in the price transparency space or the telemedicine mm-hmm. space or any one of these spaces? We're not in the business of picking winners. We're in the business of uh, enabling our customers' choices. Uh, and over time, the market will choose winners and we'll make sure that, the, that, uh, that those winners and everybody else are included in a platform that enhances the value of everything. Yeah. I th- and I think it's interesting, you know, as, as I sit and listen 
to you speak, you know, I think it, this is almost a complete paradigm shift. Um, you know, we're talking about a model where, you know, you're really trying to teach employees, if you need anything with your healthcare, call us first, right? You got it. Call, you got call it. us first and we'll, and, and we'll help you. We're your resource. We'll, we'll, we'll direct you to where you need to go. But then also, again, the, the open source platform is, I think, you know, a relatively new concept. It hasn't been possible in the past, Michael. This is, technology no. didn't exist to make that happen. And now, now you've got all these solutions where you've got open web interfaces that allow the communication of that information. And you have machine learning engines that can help us make smart recommendations on the fly so that it's not a training exercise to say, you know, for every customer, which solutions do they have? Our, our intelligence engine that we call Maya can be smart enough to help our health assistants and nurses know what recommendation to make in terms of these third-party solutions at the right time. So we talked about engagement. Um, what is your average employee engagement percentage with your clients? How many, you know, in any given employer, how many of, uh, what percentage of the employees are you actually touching in a given year? In the first year, we, uh, we will on average get to north of 50% of your employees or your, I would call them families. Uh, right. We're oftentimes dealing with the sort of the healthcare quarterback in the family mm-hmm. uh, and whomever that is oftentimes. And, you know, the reality is uh, many times that's the mother in the family is dealing with healthcare not just for themselves, but for their entire family. And so we'll engage in the first year uh, typically with about 50 percent of those families. And uh, and over a two to three year period, that engagement level will get up to about seventy percent. Wow! And so, is is the engagement only based on intake calls, or are you proactively reaching out to folks based on any data that you may have? We are proactively, you know. So we're having multiple levels of conversations. We're talking with the consumer. Uh, we're oftentimes talking directly with providers. Uh, we're also time, also talking with the carriers, especially as it relates to utilization management, pre-certifications, et cetera. Uh, and to the degree we identify either using our predictive analytics or machine learning tools and or uh, via the expertise of our clinical staff have identified issues that we think are, are cause for outbound calling, we'll actually, we will pick up phone and or use our mobile messaging app to reach out to to that consumer and say, hey, look, we'd like to talk. Here's what it's about. The key to that story is because we've established trust, you know, look, there's the the stories are legion of uh, disease management programs from carriers calling people at dinner time and saying, I really want to help you. And the the consumer saying, I don't know that I believe that you're going to help me and I don't want your help. (laughs) Well, Uh, and also, and also um, I've got, you know, my kid, my, my two-year-old, you know, throwing her food on the floor and my other one refusing (laughs) to eat. So, you know, quite frankly, I don't want to talk to anybody at dinner. Right, right, right. Right now I'm not a diabetic managing my diabetes. I'm a father. And so that opportunity is transformed when you've already built this reciprocal trusting relationship. Now, when I call you, I'm your friend calling, right, Michael, I'm, I'm your, I'm your friend and I call and you're going to call me back and, or you're going to pick up the phone when you see my number come across. And so my outbound engagement levels are astoundingly higher than that which the industry has traditionally seen. Uh, what, what we won't do 
And this is different than uh, traditional carrier behavior is I won't start an outbound calling campaign to you until I've already built a relationship with you. Got it. Uh, because uh, I, I know it won't be effective and it'll damage my long-term relationship to build a relationship. That's counterintuitive, but it makes sense. You, you know, traditionally people don't react to getting cold calls from insurance carriers. Um, so. 100%, 100%. And you can, you, and you know why. You know, somebody who's been studying your data and calls and says, I know all this stuff about you is kind of spooky and weird. On the other hand, someone who you've confided in and talked to and who's added value to your life in the past, whether that's getting you a new card or dealing with your claims issue or mm-hmm. straightening out this prescription medication issue that you had, like, all of a sudden that person, well, they get things done for me. I'm going to call them back. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I want to talk about something. I want to make sure our listeners understand this. So you guys are essentially taking over a portion of a, a, a TPA or ASO carrier service. So I would imagine that not all TPAs are willing to work with you, you know, given that you're taking over some of the things that they they currently do. Is that a correct assumption? Let me answer that quite. That's a two-part question. So the first part of the story is yes. So traditionally speaking, for TPAs have provided the transaction processing or or the payment processing functionality. They provided the network and they provided, you know, some combination of member services and clinical services, utilization Mm -hmm. management, et cetera. Uh, we do replace a chunk of that capability. You know, we, we're working alongside your network and your payment uh, facilitation uh, capabilities, but we are replacing that services capability. You know, traditionally speaking, uh, what we've seen from carriers is, uh, is you know, they're willing to honor the customer's desire to move in that direction to the degree the customer wants to move in that direction. Inevitably, Michael, I I presume you're going to ask me at some point who my competitors are. Well, my competitors are those carriers who are trying to figure out how can I deliver that capability, uh, an accolade-like capability, uh, so that I don't lose that component of the service that I'm delivering to the customer. So, uh, you know, are the I'll be very honest with you. Are the carriers celebrating our arrival when we show up and say, hey, this customer has chosen to go with us? Uh, Not traditionally. (laughs) There's not the ticker tape parade on our behalf. That said, uh, those carriers are highly motivated to do the right thing for their customers. And when their customers are making the choice to go in that direction, we found uh, most progressive carriers uh, are, you know, are more than willing to work with us to move things forward. You know, you guys have have been around for a while. You know, well, before I get to that question, what's the cost for an employer to sign up with Accolade and and are are there uh, implementation fees associated with that? The implementation fees, I'd say, are relatively nominal, uh, Michael, depending upon your business, the number of carriers you're working with, et cetera, but relatively nominal. Uh, our fee structure varies. It depends on on how much engagement you uh, you're you're seeking, how much clinical capability you're seeking. And so we give uh, our customers multiple ways in which to engage with us. Uh, and so uh, a lighter touch solution could be as low as three to four dollars PM PM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the high end, uh, we might be, you know, just below ten dollars PM PM. Uh, depending upon the size of the customer, the engagement levels that they're seeking, the partners they want plugged into the platform, et cetera. 
Right. And, and again, I would imagine because you're assuming some of the services that, that the TPA would do, I mean, theoretically, you know, there would be a discount on that TPA services. So for the most part, I would imagine that it would be close to cost neutral, you know, for an employer to transition from a TPA with, you know, full member services to, you know, a TPA, um, you know, combined with the accolade, you know, a service uh, yeah. platform. I think that goes back to the point of, uh, of, you know, carriers, uh, willingness to move forward with us. But yes, I th- I'd say one, uh, oftentimes our larger customers are seeking some sort of concession from their carriers as relates to ASO fee reduction or TPA fee reduction, number one. And number two, uh, you know, especially with uh, customers who we're, uh, who we're engaging with their, uh, with, you know, with our, with our full service solution, uh, we'll see trend line improvement and uh, and we're absolutely willing to stand behind trend line improvement and engagement metrics that we are very confident that we'll achieve. Do you guys provide any any performance guarantees you know rel- relative to you know that that trend line improvement? Uh, usually uh, for us, we, we feel like it's imperative that our motives are 100% aligned with those of our customers. And so mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll, we will absolutely, for our full-service customers, take uh, provide some component of our fees at risk based on performance guarantees. Great. I mean, I think, I think per- performance guarantees aren't unique. Performance guarantees relative to cost reduction? Bingo. Bingo. Are, are, now you're talking. Are, now you're talking about real business. Yeah. Are unheard of. Are unheard of. Yeah. And there, there are very few organizations in this industry that are really willing to, you know, put their money where their mouth is and say, you know, we'll put a portion of our 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 fees at risk because we truly believe in what we do and that it it will actually lower your costs. Um, Bingo. Good news for us now, Michael. We've we've done this for self-insured employer populations. We've done this for exchange populations on behalf of health plan customers. We've done this for fully insured populations. Every population ever served, regardless of the size of the book, uh, has seen a trend line reduction. Uh, and we've measured it in multiple ways based on the needs of the particular customer and each time we've been there. And so we feel very confident that uh, that we have an opportunity to move it and we think our customers should benefit from that. Who is your product, your platform and service? Who is this a good fit for and, and who is it not a good fit for? Are there any you know size or, or um, any other limitations to who would be a good fit for Accolade? I want to try and answer that question without without sounding too self-serving uh, because my 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 instinct, every fiber of my body wants to tell you that everybody needs to buy a solution like ours. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you know we absolutely do. Uh, you know our primary focus is self-insured employers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have up to now been very focused on employers, five thousand employees and and more. Uh, and a chunk of that was. Uh, really just based on our focus. We're, we're a relatively uh, modestly sized company. We've got about 800 employees now. Uh, but we are, we do believe, and certainly we think public policy is only driving this in, 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 in even further in that direction, that more and more companies with 300, 400, 500 employees are going to become self-insured employers. Yes, yes. Uh, it's just a trend that's, that will continue and has been uh, ongoing. And so, uh, we are now beginning to spend more and more time focused on smaller employers. And in the last year, assigned a number of customers with, you know, 500 or 1,000 employees. And so uh, the bottom line is 
we're, if you're taking risk on populations, we think we can help you manage those populations. Uh, our, our, our most significant focus up to now has been self-insured employers and plans who benefit from uh, our from our engagement solutions. But self-insured employers have been the predominant. What are you most excited about right now in your business? You know, are there any improvements or enhancements that you're working on um, that uh, you might want to tell the audience about? You know, yes, I'm. <laughs> I, here's what we, where we get really excited. We're surrounding these incredible people that we have. We call them health assistants. You can call them concierges, navigators, whatever it might be. We have health assistants who are surrounded by nurses, doctors, claim specialists, pharmacists, uh, who create that individual touch to that, to that consumer and their families and build that trusted relationship. Like at the center of everything we do is that human relationship. But underneath it is a technology stack that learns from itself. And, uh, you know, there are no, there's no solutions that will solve huge problems in the world in 2017 and beyond that won't be powered at some level by machine learning. And so our capacity, not only leverage our rich set of claims data that we have, uh, but also the social determinants of health and the contextual factors that we glean from our conversations with those individuals and their families, turn those into cohorts that we can manage and watch as they go through the healthcare experience and then learn from those experiences and then apply better and better recommendations to our health assistants and to the consumers as they engage with us. Machine learning engine that we call Maya, that recommendations engine, is made more brilliant because we get this, you know, in in the in the engineering world, they call it human in the loop machine learning. And what does it mean? It means that I can make a set of recommendations to you, Michael, as a healthcare consumer. But when you make a choice, we think you're pretty smart. Or when our health assistant makes a choice, so I go, I show my health assistant, here's five things that I think you should do for Michael. And they don't choose one, two, or three. They choose number four on that list. Mm -hmm. But we think our health assistant is pretty smart. And we should promote that. We should promote that angle. And we should begin to learn what choices are they making for people who look like this. And that machine learning engine allows us to become more efficient. It allows us to become more effective and allows the one million and first person who enters the accolade uh, environment or ecosystem to benefit from the million people who came before it. And that over time means that, that our healthcare ecosystem can learn from itself, can learn from others, and can do so in a way uh, that's completely compliant with all of our HIPAA regulations, et cetera, and sure. allows you to get to the outcomes in a faster and smarter way. And so, so this, this capability being pushed out via our mobile applications, our employee portal, or via our people gets better and better every day. And us watching it, and then I, I would tell you, uh, I get demos on this stuff like every other week. Uh, and it's, uh, it's spectacular. Like it's very, very exciting stuff for us. So, so what you're really talking about is artificial intelligence, um, you know, via, you know, data analytics to continually improve and support, you know, um, how you, um, how you help a consumer navigate the system. You got it. But Michael, here's, what's cool about it. The world has been doing predictive analytics forever. Yeah. Right? That's, that's not a new invention. But if I could give you predictive analytics and say, here's what I think you're supposed to do, but then watch the behavior of the consumer and or our health assistant and the nurses who make choices and then learn from the choices they made. They're smarter than the machine, but they can teach the machine. And as they teach and as we learn, we get smarter and smarter and dial in the experience better and better. That's a combination of deep human, compassionate relationship with great technology 
that turns that compassionate relationship into a more productive one. Uh, that's the future of healthcare. Like that personalized experience using both, right? The, the world has unfortunately oftentimes been binary on this point. Either I deliver technology and I don't do anything with the human relationship, or I deliver the human relationship, but I don't deliver any technology. It, that's not how the world engages. The world engages across both of those spectrums. And, and if you can do that, you can deliver a perfectly personalized experience for that individual. Uh, that's the future of healthcare. And, uh, yeah. and that's what we aspire to deliver. And so, and so when you ask me, you can probably tell I, I get pretty fired up. No, I think, I think it's great. And I'll, and I'll be honest, as a consumer, uh, I want both. I want the technology and I want the human touch and, uh, and, uh, you know, the technology without the human touch isn't, um, isn't satisfying from a consumer standpoint. So I appreciate that. Okay. It. We are, are just about at the end of our time here. And so, um, you know, if, if there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? You know, Michael, I, I think, uh, if there were one point that I wanted to leave your audience with, it's this one. And it's, it's a point about, our industry and our need for disruption. There are various debates that are going on in our industry. Who owns your data? Who owns your information and the information that you, uh, the, you know, the healthcare that you pay for, the claims information that you that that is collected on behalf of your employees? Well, who owns that information? Uh, how much change can I ingest or or make inside of uh, the ecosystem that I that I'm currently dealing with? Am I capable? Am I willing to step out and demand better from the ecosystem that's currently serving me? I think the biggest thing that I would love for health and benefits buyers, for CHROs, and eventually for CFOs and CEOs to hear is that the world is a lot different than it was 10 years ago as it relates to healthcare solutions. There are answers out there that can drive trend line improvement. The one stat that we know for a fact is that healthcare as a percentage of GDP has gone from 10% or 13% in 1994 to 19% in 2017. It can never reach 100. We know that. So somehow, some way, right. we have to bend this line. Solutions are in place to do that. The only way you get to those solutions is if you engage and you have a willingness to disrupt the existing ecosystem that isn't always incented to make change. It requires the buyers, the spenders of that $3 trillion to say, this isn't good enough anymore. It's got to change. Well, Raj, that's perfect because that's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> Just that. Uh, if people want different results, doing the same old thing isn't going to get them there. Um, it's, it's, it's really about taking, deciding that you want better results. Uh, two, realizing that you know most of the industry is incentivized to maintain the status quo. And step three, starting to look for alternative solutions to to get the results you want. And uh, and and that's really, I think that's what you're talking about. And I think um, that's what we need to start to see more of. And so you know, this is a great dialogue that you know hopefully uh, gets people thinking about that. I couldn't thank you enough for the time. You got me all motivated to get to work. So uh, so uh, thank you very much for coming with me. You bet. You bet. So um, for people that are interested in, in the Accolade product, you know, other than working through their broker consultant, what's the best way for people to get more information about your company? Uh, well, www.accolade.com, clearly. Uh, working with your broker consultant, absolutely. Uh, and uh, 
and uh, you can you can always uh, you can always hit us on uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and on uh, and on LinkedIn as well. Uh, uh, just search for Accolade, and you'll find us. Well, Raj, on behalf of our listeners and myself, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. I think it's been a great dialogue, and I think uh, our audience is going to get great value from this. Appreciate to- it, Michael. Thanks so much. You bet. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you like what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can subscribe for future updates and access the show notes for this episode and links to Accolade's website and contact information. Lastly, we welcome your feedback on the content and interviews we're bringing to you on the show. Please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and let us know what you think. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.